writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Right Pack Radio Live at Gateway Con. Before we get started, um, I want to go ahead and explain to the audience as well as our guest speaker today how this works. Right Pack Radio is always a panel discussion. The concept that the producer has any true control over a conversation is a complete myth. I have none. Um, but how this works is we do have signs and signals to each other to be able to discuss the book the topic is. Today's topic is going to be talking about describing your book in a nutshell. And how this works is, thank you, I, I, I knew Brad was up to something. In sign, yeah, again, in American Sign Language, the letter R is made by crossing your fingers. When somebody has a thing they want to say that might change the way the direction of the conversation is going and so forth, we do an R. We have what's called a dovetail, which means Jen just said something amazing, or I just said something amazing, and just, I want to say something related to that. And so she throws out a dovetail. Dovetails outrank reservations. We are always, I'm always looking to see who's doing what. And I'm trying to tell. This is a weird radio or podcast version of a TV show that is on PBS here in St. Louis called Donnie Brook. The thing we don't talk about is politics. So, are the news. We talk about writing. And we talk about the writer industry. We talk about trying to get through this crazy world that the writing industry has become. 30 years ago, or less, the concept that you would have been indie published was unheard of. Or, okay, it wasn't unheard of. Good luck trying to get anybody to buy it. Good luck trying, trying to get anybody to market it for you. And you were pretty much stuck in a rug. Furthermore, um, a lot of the indie published authors back then were, I'm sorry, not in good. They didn't bother editing and so forth, which some indie publishers still suffer from. However, you also see that now in traditional publish. Traditional publish is a whole different realm and it's a different route to navigate. I will gamble and say at least as far back as 10 years, if not five years ago, the concept of a hybrid author. This is one who's gone down both roads, was unheard of. Because I know as of 2010 at least, when I went, there was a discussion at a panel, at another writer's conference that said, you're either one or you're the other. Well, that has changed. Come on up, ladies. We knew you were going to be late. For the viewing audience out there who will see this live or see this in recording, we've had people at the Right Pack attending master classes, so they are now mistresses of writing, um, and they're joining us here, which is why I'm glad we haven't started the... 
Well, I know I'm going to be being poor Ryan with this. So with that, let us begin. Um, and everybody, please keep your intros short. So I'm David Lucas. I'm the president of Wyoming Trails Media, the producer of Right Back Radio, president of St. Louis Writers Guild, voice actor, and martial arts instructor, and that's the source I'm going. And with me is my lovely, you know, not only call her my lovely co-host, she is an amazing author of her own right, who never toots her own horn. So I am tooting her own horn a little bit before I introduce her. She is in an anthology which has a, was it Nebula or the Hugo, has been Hugo Award nominated. I don't know if they've won it yet or not. She is nominated for Shirley, Shirley Jackson Award. I knew Jackson was sure was initial in there. Um, that is going to be um, announced next month, which is July. So with that, let me introduce her because she would not have told you this on her own. That is correct. I would not have um, I'm in this book, the best science fiction fantasy of the year as well, which is the only thing I would have said because the book is actually physically here right now. Um, I write speculative fiction and romance and try to have fun. Did you ever say your name? My name is Kathleen Kayembe, and um, it's also Kaseka Indita. Hi. One of the fun things we don't normally have to deal with because we sit around a round table, and the normal microphone we have is this thing here standing in the middle, but now we've got a different microphone. So we're playing two mics. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, I'm Melanie Lucas. I am currently working on a fantasy novel. And we are currently, I'm currently in a competition with my husband, David Lucas, to see who can do the first craft in their novel. Yes. First. She's also. Okay, yes, I'm ahead, but he has every advantage of winning. Now the gateway panel will be over in just about an hour, yes. And um, she is also published in scientific papers. Under a different name. Yes. You're not going to look up your scientific papers. Anyway, they're not access anymore. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Jennifer Stolzer, I'm a children's book author and illustrator. Hi Jennifer! Hi! Jennifer. Uh, my novel Threadcaster is sitting right in front. Now that the, those that are viewing Right Pack Radio for this rare occasion that you can actually view and you can see the cover. Um, it's uh, available on Amazon and ebook paperback. It's also available if you're local in the St. Louis area at the Novel Neighbor and Main Street Books in St. Charles. Every copy at those local places are signed by me, so if you'd like a signed copy, find it there. I also do picture books and uh, soon to be, hopefully, uh, chapter books for elementary school. You know what, I'm going to go ahead and go pass on to our guest speaker here. It's going to be easier, but before I let her go completely... <sighs> Jennifer's my other person. I absolutely love but never promotes herself. Jennifer was the top five of the reader's choice Award in St. Louis Writer, I'm sorry, St. Louis Publisher, St. Louis Post Dispatch newspaper for children's authors. Children's authors, readers. Yeah, readers. Hi, my name is Lane Boyd. Uh, I have uh, four mystery books. One is a What's Going On, one's a Who Done It, and the other two are a series, a psychological thriller, and um, the action-packed conclusion to that. I also help veterans tell their stories, and my brand new release is Way Beyond the Blue, the memoirs of Colonel Jack Jackson, uh, who was 
Vietnam veteran who flew over 660 combat missions, served as a two-term Missouri State Representative, and was the chief test pilot for the F-18 and the Harrier jet. Wow. And I am representing Sisters in Crime. Yay. Yeah, my, my Madama murder name tosses over here. This is not the best way to do this. Our Madama murder was not able to attend, so she sent Lane in her place, so we have a new Madama murder. Over here, another person who I absolutely love who will not um, publicize what she's done. Uh, Chanel, tell me what happened this weekend with your pitches. No. You gave me. She got a full request. Yay! Um, hi, uh, my name is Chanel Chan. I write speculative fiction, literary fiction, whatever makes me feel less angsty that day. Um, I am currently getting ready to go off to do an MFA in New Orleans. That's fine. And she will stay with us because we have this thing called Zoom. She'll still be able to attend. Hello, I'm Lee Savage, the author of Erotica for the Truly Wicked that has the St. Louisville Vampire series. I've been MIA because of school and other um, activities, but I get to be at this event and I'm happy to be here. Now, uh, from Steam Admiral himself. Yeah, I am Brad Hardcook. I am the author of four novels. Uh, they are all steampunk adventures. Uh, I have these two are my YAs, and then I also have a middle grade steampunk. Uh, this is the uh, first and the third of the completed trilogy. And um, oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Yes, I am the author of the Iron Chronicles, which is the uh, trilogy, the YA trilogy that I wrote, and then the. Airdrainium Adventures is the middle grade that I have written. Uh, I also write a blog, I sword fight, I do a bunch of other stuff like that, and stuff like Gateway Con. And our poor final. It's really weird to actually be here with everybody. Yeah. Usually, I'm fighting digitally from Hannibal, Missouri. Uh, I am a uh, fantasy author, writing Pete Freeman, uh, several different uh, books out, all. Uh, uh, coming of age, high fantasy, and stuff. And um, that's just you. That just like, that's you got some more requests as well. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of weird. There are agents fighting over my phone. He says so. Well, it just sort of happened. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm also the founder of the Animal Writers Guild. Uh, I also head up the marketing for all this. Um, and. Um, Oh yeah, we're at Gateway. So we're at. Okay. Oh great, that's good. That's good. Uh, anyway, so I write spell uh, trombones and monsters for Altel, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, famous, which is what I pitched the other day, and it was awesome. So I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Cool. All right. Woo! I'm gonna jump right in and talk about something that's extremely important. I don't care if it's about pitches, or you're describing your book on the back of your cover, or you're trying to sell your book, hand sell your book to someone, you need to know how to describe that book in a nutshell. Short story, very quickly, because I know I ran a long time explaining how this works. It was a gentleman, a fellow author, who was at a great book fair, not this one. He sat there for 
almost a full day and a half, if I remember right, and not sold a single book. I walked up to him, I knew him, and I said, tell me about your book. Tell me about it. He starts going and going and going, and my eyes glaze over like a Krispy Kreme donut. I was like, okay, stop. Picked up his book, started looking, and said, tell me, let's, let's break this down, let's break this down. And by the end, we were done, which was good, 20-minute talk. By the end of that book fair, by the end of that, he had a way to describe it. By the end of the book fair, he had sold at least five to eight books in less than half a day. So, with that, how do you guys go about describing your work? You all have them, and you can't choose to, but before we go there, tell me how, tell me how you took this, well, I wrote a book about, um, I'll work right from you. I took a, I wrote a book about curses in a completely different universe. And tell me how you get the description of Threadcaster. Oh, well, Threadcaster, well, I'll, I'll talk forever about Threadcaster, you want me to. Uh, the important part, it, well, Threadcaster is a great jumping point because it's both a genre book and for a specific reading level audience. Uh, when you're pitching a book to an agent, it's not the same as pitching a book to a potential buyer, but there are similarities. Uh, one of them is when people walk up, they want to know who my book is for. I say, it's a, it's a YA fantasy. I describe the main character first. She's a 16 year old girl. She can cast magic with Threadcaster or Cat's Cradle string. She draws runes in the string to cast magic spells. Her best friend Peter is turning to stone from the inside out. And that is, uh, he's one of four curses, different uh, element curses that inhabit the world. And the curses exist, they come across some ancient uh, history that tell them that magic, the reason the curses exist is because magic is evil. So they go on a quest to try and ransom their pissed off and angry god to come back and take magic away from the people who are in charge so people will stop being cursed. Uh, that is a long rambling sentence I just said. Thank you for listening to it. Get it on Amazon. Uh, it's, it, it's good from person to person, but if you want to deliver it, my, my little catch line that I use is, I call it the Oregon Trail through Oz, if Oz were a desert and Dorothy could shoot fire from her hands. That usually gets people to smile and it gives you an idea of sort of like the tone of it, uh, the setting, the main character, and, and that it's fantasy, it's got magic stories in it. I don't go into the full detail of curses and everything. Those are interesting. Once you got a hook on it, then you can go into that. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, well, this is her, and this is him, and this is what they do, and uh, you know, hand gestures and everything like that. But you need to have, now I start with the genre and the audience. And then I jump into my, my hooky blog line. That's how I hand sell to start with. I have lots of hands up. Who's first? I'm going to pass it to Brad, then go to Ryan, then go to Lee. All right. If you were at my pitching workshop, uh, you actually got a whole description of this. Uh, so uh, if you want to write the description for your book, uh, that description is generally going to come. It's similar to what you wrote in your query letter. It's similar to how you pitched your book. It's similar to how you're going to sell your book over there. So it needs a few things. You've got to have the hook. Jed mentioned her hook. Uh, the hook is what pulls people in. you got to have a little bit of the plot. Not the whole plot, but just a little couple of points from the plot. Uh, and then you need your character, you need your main character, you describe who's going to be in the book. And then the big one, and this is the one that I can't stress enough, you need the stakes. You need to say what is what matters in this book, what's going to happen, you know, what, what's so important that if the character fails, 
uh, you know, the whole world will be destroyed. Uh, but that is probably the best uh, advice that I can give you on how to describe your book, how to make your book description uh, sound punchy, and then really it's just about editing out all the little words until you're just left with the meaty juiciness of the, your book description. Okay. Um, I, I learned what I learned at this point from these guys. Um, say, they're saying stuff that is really important, and I take notes because it works. Uh, no, it really does. Like, today is the proof of that. Um, what, what? I'm waiting for the butt. <laughs> no, no, there is no butt. Yeah, I, I read I bring rain spell, and I didn't know what to do with it, and, and these guys helped. It was just that simple. Um, I mean, there's something that each writer brings to the table, not just in their words, but in who they are. Uh, that can't be duplicated or replicated in any way. Um, um, when I'm hand selling, I usually usually dress up like maybe now, and um, I'll get killed. By the way. Well, I'm gonna kill. You can't really see, but I'm gonna kill. And uh, but I'm not just doing it because like I'm part Scottish and I'm proud. Um, when do you get to go to a bookstore, stay in the mall or something, dress up, yell at people, and make money? <laughs> right? And this is great. This is great, you know, I, I, I only had one person so far reject it, but you say you know, everybody loves dragons, right? And, and unless there's some other, like, weird, sad person out there that needs help, I'll give you a hug. Um, uh, everybody loves dragons. And, and so whatever book you have in your hand, it's not something, you know, we're right now, it's not something that you should just sit behind a table and, like, hope someone comes up to you. You need to go to them. Um, and it's not something that it would just happen. You need to engage the person, whether it's an agent that you're pitching, uh, or or it's somebody that you're you're trying to get uh, interested in at, at the mall with you. Um, you bring something to the table that's more than just what you. Let me have better this way. This makes it easy right now rather than going around. One of the things I do, particularly when I'm selling in the St. Louis area, is all of my books take place in the St. Louis area. I try to uh, let a prospective buyer know what's different, what's unique about my books. Why would you want to buy my mysteries rather than somebody else's mysteries? And so some of the things that make my books different are everything takes place in St. Louis. All of the places, the restaurants, the landmarks are real. Of course, they're not. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, also, my books are animal friendly. I'm a huge animal lover, and so my dogs and, and cats, whatever, they all play a role in the books. I also promote things like spay and neuter and shelter adoptions. We celebrate the special bond between pets and their humans. And uh, the third thing that sets my books apart is that they are clean. I know people taste fine. <laughs> I think they're just as dead if I give you one or two sentences describing that they're dead as if I spend five pages talking about blood and guts and eyeballs and brains hanging out, which the, the person is still dead. So we kill them and we move on. So, uh, and also I do not use uh, language and I don't write offensive scenes so that when your preteen picks up the book you don't have to say oh let me put that down and I have learned that by telling that particular aspect to so many prospective buyers they're interested in that because people really are getting kind of tired 
of the same old, same old with, with the naughty words and all of that. So I'm just trying to let them know, how is my book unique? Why is it different? Well, that's a great example of finding your audience. You know, you mentioned those things. Those are the things that make your book different from other people's books. And those audience members, uh, those those readers that those prior, you know, prioritize that, they know, oh, yes, this is what I want. And there are other readers who maybe that's not as important. They still like murder mystery. They'll still pick it up. But people who, if it was the other way around, that, you know, I if, if you kill a dog in this book, I'm no longer your friend and I'm putting it down, then they know that this is a safe book to go to. And another book might be one if you, you know, if you like Blood, Guts, and Gore, then you know who to find to get Blood, Guts, and Gore. Uh, it's not a, a positive, negative, you know, Blood, Guts, and Gore are worse than this. It's just that specifically she's, uh, she's appealing to an audience that would rather have less of that in their book. And that's a selling point to those people. I'm glad you both brought those things up um, because I'm not sure how much we'll talk really about tailoring your description to the audience that you have at the time, like what you tell when you have one minute to get across what your book is about is very different from what you tell when you have five minutes. And if you know, for instance, someone really likes dragons, you would tell them about the dragons in your book, whereas if you knew that dragons had killed that person's father, then maybe you wouldn't mention the dragons. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, if the dragon doesn't die, then you don't don't mention the dragon. Just give them to a different book. Give them a different book. They won't like that one. Um, the other thing is, I have I have um, a novel I've called "You Will Always Have Family at Triptych," and uh, I call it a Congolese American ghost story. And I don't bring up the fact that there's a witch in it because that will mean something different if you are American versus if you are Congolese. Like, the entire definition of a witch is different. So I just call it a ghost story, because it is, and it's less confusing for people. Not too much for audience. Yes, you do, and that's a, very, that's a very good thing, too. It's your audience that determines it. I'm probably a little bit different than the rest, so I, yeah, I uh, present myself first. I'm Lee Savage, author of Erotica for the Truly Wicked. So as soon as you come and touch my books, you know right up front what you're going to be interested in. And then I gear you towards, well, here's my St. Louisville vampire, and then here's this, and here's this. And then I see kind of what they're gauging, what they're going to touch, what they're interested in, and then I tailor my pitch based on where their hands are moving, what seems to engage them. Because I have a different degree of books, so I can appeal to a variety of readers. I even have poetry at my table. So it's, it's a matter of first drawing them in and then seeing what interests them. Drape that across you right there, sorry. <laughs> um, so I hear a lot about you know tailoring to your audience, tailoring to who's listening to what you're talking about. But I want to know, more. I want to know the nitty gritty. I want to know how, okay, if you are, because we just had pitch sessions and I was there the entire time. Um, if you were pitching this to an agent or a publisher, how would you describe it differently than if you're pitching it to someone who just walked up to you? Or how would you describe it differently to based on where you are 
or your setting or whatever. I want to do those things. Love the bread. Okay, as the guy who gave the workshops this weekend on that, I, I probably am the expert in air quotes there. Uh, so yeah, when you are talking to a, a, an agent or an editor or a book, well, not as an editor so much as a, an agent or a publisher, um, it's not necessarily about tailoring to them. You can. Uh, you should have looked them up. You should know exactly what they represent and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but really, it's about hitting on to the points of your book and your story and your character and what sets it apart. Um, these aren't things you're necessarily going to tell your readers. Um, you know, you're not going to say, yeah, my book's so much better than Twilight because of this. Um, but you are definitely telling an agent that, you know. Um, exactly. So, my vampire is no smart. You know, that, that's the first thing you're going to tell an agent. Um, but yeah, so when you are addressing an agent, when you're pitching your book, uh, and I mentioned those before, uh, there are certain things that need to go into a pitch. And the way a pitch is structured, uh, that you need to kind of hit on. You need to pass off your genre and your word counts. You need to let them know who your intended audience is, and all of these other kind of factors that a reader just is never going to care about. Um, but one thing I would really quickly go into is we talk about tailoring your book, but a lot of times you're not going to be able to do this. Uh, you need to write a description of back jacket copy for your book. The back jacket is exactly what we talk about. It's the back of the book, it's the description that goes on there. You can't tailor that. You're not going to be able to say, oh, this is the back for you, and hey, this is the back for you. Uh, you know, unless you've really printed up like five or six different copies of your book, and who's going to do that? Um, so when you are writing a description, it's best to write one description uh, and, and then tailor from that. So if you've got the one description uh, that you used to pitch and you used on the back jacket and you used to sell and all of that kind of stuff, it is really easy to tailor that to say, you know, someone who's good younger or someone who's waffling on whether or not they even know what steampunk is. Uh, it's Victorian sci-fi, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so you're not always going to be able to tailor your description of your book. So write a really awesome description of your book and then use that as the basis for all other descriptions of your book uh, and then tailor it as needed. It's a really good, you know, kind of option. Um, so yeah, I'll pass on that. Okay, actually, I'm going to pass on to you, but before you do, real fast, I'm going to say there's times which I absolutely love these guys because they are on the same wavelength as me. Uh, Chanel, you kicked it down the path I wanted to go. So yay, and then Brad kicked it down the path, the next path I wanted to go down, so thank you. I also would say you really need to know yourself and know two other authors you're like. So it's good to say, I am, I usually tell people, I'm in between Christine Freeman and Laura K. Hamilton. And if those are the readers that I'm talking to, they know exactly what to expect right there. I say, I'm in between these two, and boom, they know what to expect. Don't know. Or, 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 or. Yeah, one works well. What are those? What are those? Yeah, I'll be happy to check question. Was it Okay, real quick. Comp titles uh, is uh, one book plus two book equals your book. Uh, the one I love to use in my talk is Twilight Meets Harry Potter. Please do not write that book. Uh, and then the other one that we just described is the two authors. Uh, so you, I'm like author one and like author two, but I'm somewhere in between. So that's probably the best way to do book comps. Uh, but there, it's a huge thing in the industry. You'll hear them talked about in Hollywood movies. They're called log lines. Uh, and so it's, it's a very simple, easy way of describing a book, 
without actually describing your book, using kind of cultural norms to get across your idea? To be honest, I actually struggle with this and I hate it. I, I hate writing back to descriptions. I hate writing pictures. Well, we're all not Brad, so the rest of us who aren't Brad. I, you know, I listened to what, what I could and I tried to follow advice, but in the end, what I did is I, I went into a bookstore and I found a book, uh, a comp title to what I'm trying to write or what I, what I kind of associate what I write with. Uh, and I looked at the back, their back cover, and I, and I imitated like the cadence of it, not like the words, the cadence of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it, but it, it's worked. It's worked. And it's a really simple way if you want to kind of like get the feel of it that you start off with. It's worked for me. I don't know. Try it out and see if it works. Hand this down to Kathleen if you would. And then I'm going to come up after Kathleen and let somebody help you. I, I would like to have an example of the best way to craft a book description because um, Romeo and Juliet, two teenagers like each other and die. Are we really? Like what, what would you say for Romeo and Juliet, for example, that would be engaging and not just Uh, for if you're writing Romeo and Juliet as a YA, uh, I would say that it's uh, well, it's hard because I would use a lot of Romeo and Juliet illusions. Yes. <laughs> it is the tragic tale. It is the tragic tale of star-crossed lovers. Exactly. <laughs> the tragic tale of star-crossed lovers. Uh, a girl and a boy meet on a dark night. He sees her in the window, but their families don't get along. There's murder. There's death. And will they triumph? Uh, the the answer is they don't. They but they do, but not in the way that the YA book wants them to. <laughs> the YA book would like them to run off together, but in truth, they triumph in uniting their houses by committing suicide together, which is not quite a YA type thing. Although nowadays you can write anything you want. Actually, I I challenge you all to write an actual Romeo and Juliet adaptation in which they both die. For the good of society. <laughs> Would you say that it's really just they needed to have a conversation? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, no people who just needed to talk. <laughs> That's the part of most programs. Anyway, uh, wrote sidebar. Actually, I'm dovetailing into Catherine's question with this. So in a way, we're actually thinking the same flow. A book cover has only so much space on it. Amazon only has so much space that you can do. How do you properly, let's say we're doing Romeo and Juliet, or I'm going to throw out Hamlet. Is it, your question reminds me of a book that I don't know if it's around anymore or not. I've never seen it. Everybody knows Cliff Notes, right? Has anyone else besides me ever heard of Jump Off the Cliff Notes? All right, so you know the jokes that are inside there. They were short, and believe it or not, they, they, they fell in love and they died, was Romeo and Juliet's description. So how do you break it down that far down? I have one for Hamlet that is terrible. Oh, I, I terrible. This kid hates his stepdad. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> well, the, the one that was jumping a little obsessed with jumps. Yeah. yeah. The one that was in jump off the cliff notes was his father was a great dame, his mother was a dumb, and he was one sick puppy. 
So that just makes that's always stuck with me. Um, it was just fifth grade when I read that. Um, I got I got one for Hamlet. What about uh, grown man piggy parties to the point of hallucination? <laughs> This guy can't decide what to do. Yeah. 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 I'm in practice reading, I only write about it, I only share it. Um, anyway, so she's got a little bit about herself. And in here, to here. So this little bit of room between my two fingers, for those who can see it on video, roughly, I'm going to call that three inches? Roughly two and a half to three inches of a back cover is her description of her book. How do we take uh, anything from 45,000 words to 150,000 words and make it that short. Um, I've got Kathleen, then I've got Jen, and then I've got Brad, and that's it. All right, I'll actually be serious this time. It's really difficult, but I will try. Um, I've heard that you should do main character want something, but there is an obstacle, and that is how you structure your blurb about your book. Another uh, strategy that I've heard, if the, the format that Kathleen mentioned doesn't feel like it's really working to hook people for whatever reason, the way your novel is structured, um, I had advice once that said, write your back copy to the first third of the book. Like, that's the part you're selling. If your book, like, if it ends in a graveyard, and you mention the graveyard on the back, they're going to read a long time wondering where the graveyard was. They were reading it for a graveyard, and there's no graveyard in this book. So you don't want to give away the ending on the back cover, or else you've given away the entire thing. But if you get them hooked at the beginning, and they open up and they find what they read on the back uh, with that intrigue, like that's the point. You're reading for the first third, but you're reading for the first third with the big like intrigue spot in it. So it's the first sort of obstacle on their journey journey and then maybe an allusion to what happens after as they, what happens if they succeed or if they fail, you know, that sort of thing, to get an idea, just an idea of hooking people in without giving the whole cow away. I'm going to go Brad, and I'm going to go Ryan, then Brad, and that way I'm like strangling everybody. So, I have a confession. <laughs> I actually wrote the Twilight series. So, and, and uh, I was reading at the camp in New Mexico, which is really high elevation, so I, you know, I blame Black and Bear. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so here I am reading like the last book, right? I'm almost done with the stupid thing to make my, my fiance and wife happy, right? This is important. And um, I am so upset because. I, you think I have to deal with all this like emotional crap, and uh, and all it was a big old battle at the end. That's all I care about. They talk it out. I was so upset. <laughs> Don't do that to your to your readers. You know, like like actually deliver what you're promising. You know, because your readers are reading for that, and they might not have enough air at the time, and they really need that, and they didn't get it, and they're going to remember it forever. 
That's all I have to say. Okay. Uh, Jenna's right, you should not give away the end of your plot, but you can totally talk about it. Um, I do in almost every one of my descriptions. Why? Because it's important. It's the stakes. The most important thing that you can put into the description of your book next to the character is the stakes that that character has to face in those stories. So if it is some major tragedy that they're you know, having to face, if it's some giant evil they're having to overcome, if it's just some internal struggle that they're running through, the stakes that your character is facing in the book is the most important thing that you put into the description of your book. It is the reason why we're going to read, it's the reason why we're going to care, it's the reason why we're going to be intrigued. Yes, the setting and all of that kind of stuff needs to go in there as well, and you can do it in uh, formulas like uh, Kathleen has, uh, but there is no one way to write a book description, so don't, you know, if you read that blog article, just, you know, skip it, go to the next. Um, so I would say that. However, this is my advice on writing it, okay? Uh, all along your process, you're going to need this short description of your book. We talked about it. When you pitch the book to an agent, when you write the back jacket, when you write the query letter, um, all of this is going to come, it's not going to be the exact wording, but it's going to have some of the same beats uh, in each one of these things. So the simplest way that I can say is to do this is write out a description of your book. I don't care how long it is. It can be five pages if it needs to be, but write out a description of your book, what happens in it, and then take that and start cutting, and start cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting until you've gotten to the absolute minimalist thing that you can put forward. Um, and the reason I say that is, is because the lines that you start pulling out, the little words that you start pulling out, you'll realize you don't need all of those, and then you'll start to see the lines that you've written that really do encapsulate your book. Um, and once you've found those, that will be the essence of your pitch and your query and your uh, back jacket copy and what you use to sell the book. Um, so start off and write it, and I recommend this for synopsis too, if you need to write a synopsis. Uh, it's a really good way to do it, so start out and just write it all out and then start finding the little tidbits in there that really do touch on what your book is about. I, I just want to say, since I write uh, romance and erotica, um, I do hers. So you want to know about the heroine, and you want to know about the hero, and you want to know a little bit about the obstacle they have to overcome. So um, I do usually three little paragraphs, or I combine the two. So it's a little bit different formula, because people, when they want that romance, they want to know what both of them are facing. Now and then I'm going to warn every author who's got a book up here or their short story, if you can do a short story, is I would like for you to read one of your examples. Okay, all I have is a please don't <laughs> in terms of your back of the copy. Everyone loves surprises. No one likes surprises that's going to make them put the book down and walk away. Yes. So if there is going to be a reveal that is not is is going to be game changing in a way that is potentially negatively impacting your readers, that might be something you want to include on your back cover just so they know what they're getting into and don't aren't disappointed with the reading experience. And then I'm gonna pass it over to Lee next and then we'll go down the line. But since you brought that up and I love that you did. I'm going to give you one quick example. I'm not going to throw names under the bus or anything else. I'm being serious. I'm not going to do that. 
there was one author whose back, whose back cover said one thing, was looking for that very famous author, by the way, who I was an extreme fan of hers for years. Their failure to fulfill on that promise caused me not only to want to throw away the book, I almost did. It was actually someone else which would stop me from throwing it in trash. I stopped reading that author for almost 15 years. So you don't want a reader to do that to you. And with that, Lee, talk about yours. Okay, I'm going to use Angel of Death, um, the first book in the St. Louisville Vampire series. So it starts out, it says, Mika Shadow, the task at hand. Save the elder vampires from the plague, the endless sleep. As a hired assassin, Mika Shadow knows not to let emotions get in the way. Given her skills and gifts, she's known as the chosen one among her kind. Dominique Figmar, the owner of the pharmaceutical company that was at one time invested in the magical serum. Mika needs to save her kind. Dominique is a notorious playboy as well. From the moment that he looked into her hypnotic gaze, he knew he had to do whatever it would take to make her his. All right, so this is from Iron Horseman, the first novel. And I decided to do that. I was gonna do, I hadn't thought of doing my third one, but because it's got the whole like back and that's really conclusion kind of thing. Uh, but this is it. So it's uh, it has the tagline High Adventure in the Age of Industry. And uh, I also use a couple other tags, but anyway, here we go. Alexander Armitage doesn't fit in at Eaton College. Not only is he an American, his father, a new teacher at the college, is obsessed with ancient languages and the dusty old books he makes Alexander spend his time studying instead of trying to make friends. When his father is kidnapped, Alexander gladly leaves school behind and finds himself partnered with a baron's daughter, her little bronze dragon, and an eclectic crew of sky raiders in a quest to find him. When their search leads them to Malta, they discover a secret society intent on unleashing the ancient Iron Horsemen and usurping the reins of power in London. In a steam-powered Victorian world where pirates prowl the sky and secret societies determine the future like a game of chess, Alexander must confront the harsh legacy of the divided country he left behind, the new aristocratic world that rejects him, and the pressure of being offered to become a horseman himself. Over here to Ryan. I like Torn Between Two Mike's House. I think I'll do my newer one. Uh, so this is from the Trombones. That's my latest short story. Scheme of snakes, trombones. Trombones? When our hapless hero is kicked out of the Royal Orchestra, he stumbles into Vane's bar, a place filled with shady characters, devilishly strong drinks, and biting snakes dangling from the rafters. Nothing better to do than all the rest of the countryside musicians practicing next door. The trombones adjust the slides. Sets his lips to his instrument and embarks on an adventure. Wild evening away in Bay's Bar. Hear the trombonist play. Watch out for the saints, green Grendel, the white swing. And mind your P's and Q's, especially with Bay's own special brew, Old Wrath Camp's Fire Ale. And while you're at it, why not stay for the encore? How the trombonist and friends overcome the treacherous wild with the greedy chief meister of the next door. Hold the chair and mind the snakes. Tonight's going to be over This is from the first of the two book series, the He'll Find You series. This is from He'll Find You Till Death Do Us Part. In a remote village of northwestern post-revolution Romania, Ovidia Tudoran, a poor subsistence farmer, is murdered. His 18-year-old pregnant daughter, Tatiana, is missing. Whisked away to Bucharest by her wealthy American lover, Kenton Faraday, 
Tatiana dreams of a future full of the love and riches she's seen on American television. Instead, Tatiana is kept a virtual prisoner in the Faraday family's large but hostile Bucharest home. A search for her and her father is conducted in her village, but the case eventually goes cold. From the quiet country roads of poverty-stricken 1991 Romania to the bustling streets of St. Louis, Missouri in 2016, he'll find you till death do us part, takes you on a journey where deception, manipulation, bribery, and corruption are woven into a page-turning mystery that will leave you on the edge of your seat. Please pass that down to Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You've all already heard mine. Go straight to Kathleen. Um, Marianne, oh, this is for the one in here. You have to say what there is. Uh, so, this is for the Fairy Tree, which is in the book in front of me, the best science fiction and fantasy of the year. Uh, Marianne knows her sister's new husband is a monster, but her parents can't see what she sees. If she's going to save her family, she'll have to make a deal. But fairy deals never end well for humans. And with that, we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for coming to Right Pack Live. Um, I, I actually have the ability this week to actually talk about what's coming up over the next several weeks. So before I do that, normally I don't have that ability. These guys laugh, but they know that's the case. Um, you can find Right Back Radio if you have never heard us until now. As, by the way, those who are watching this video, we have people behind the computer that you don't see. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, YouTube, and there's a lot more that gets pushed out there. Um, you're able to find it, and everything is free. We do have a new episode every Sunday. Coming up next week is Exploring the World of Harry Potter. That is going to air next Sunday on the first Sunday of July, which is July 7th. Be comfortable promoting your work. And the episode after that, I can go even further, tracking the results of promotion. And in the last episode that we have recorded, will be appearing on July 21, is connecting to your readers. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week writing. Tune in next week for yet another interesting topic in the writing industry. Take care. The new theme songs for Write Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.